What's up? What's up? What is up? Another Friday. You know what it is. Another opportunity for us to get together and record the Ball Hog Sports Talk where sports, business, and entertainment collide. Today's episode. Today's episode is going by the name of Return on Investment. And uh, as soon as we come back from the intro, we're going to get into why that is. But um, you know how we do it. It's where rough, rugged, and raw uh, tend to be used to discuss sports, business, entertainment. Uh, the whole crew is in the building today, so we are absolutely going to have an action-packed show. Uh, stick with us. We'll be right back after the intro. But you know what it is. If you've never been a part of the experience, that is the Ball Hawk Sports Talk. Make sure you fasten your seat, though. Make sure that you get you some extra coffee. Uh, and make sure that you tune in to the Sports Business Entertainment. With that, let's go. Wake up, wake up, wake up, and stay woke. Because this is the Ball Hog Sports Talk with your boy, B. Brown, ESQ, a.k.a. the Ball Hog, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South. This is the place where sports, business, and entertainment collide. And we're going to give it to you rough, rugged, and raw. So come get you a spoonful, like some grits with butter and salt. You know how we do it in the South, y'all. Make sure you do not get caught in your feelings. Strap on your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Come on, let's go, go, go. in the building for another friday it's the whole crew coming to you first from the central time zone uh the one the only he who needs no introduction but i shall give him one anyway the myth the man the the i gotta keep going he went like this like i need more you know what i'm saying my new nickname is plus one but plus I- <laughs> the big slow show in the building what's up what's good brother? man missed y'all last week missed y'all last week had to do a little uh European Where were you at? Tour. Why? Why? Let's tell tell the people why you missed us. Let them know. Man, we we great, great week, man. My son's uh, college football debut, as far as being on the squad. Uh, Northwestern took on uh, Nebraska and Ireland, thirteen point dogs. Came out victoriously up by Sir. three. Had a twenty year anniversary mixed in there, so we hit a little Barcelona before me and the wife to get better acquainted. Uh, it was perfect. It was a perfect trip, just like like Trump will say. It was perfect. It was a perfect trip. Perfect trip, man. Perfect outcome. Uh, Congratulations on being able to not only get over there and and witness a game, but witness a game that that absolutely included your own child, flesh and blood. The person who politely but very, very uh, absolutely took your name and did more with it. You know what I'm saying? How you like that? He's taller than you. He remixed it, man. Is he taller than you yet? He's not taller than you. Nah, and yet is over. He's not. He's not. He's going to be taller. (laughs) So you're going to win that one. You won one. You won won one. But he's way better looking. stronger. (laughs) So, you know, I'll say this. You didn't have any drops in warm-ups. No drops in warm-ups. There you go. Um, had they put him in, he was ready. He was ready. You And as a dad, I'm sure you had an eagle eye focused on. I might have recorded it. Well, you I mean, might have recorded. You should, man. That's I a mean, that's a worthy recording. Yeah, he's home. out there in, in uh, Aviva What number State. is he wearing? What number is he wearing? He wears number 19. Number 19. Number 19. Crazy, crazy event. The Irish uh, fans are fantastic. So, so courteous. Nebraska fans, I will say, I got to give a shout out. Most classy fans I've ever seen in my life. Um, real quick, when they would see us after the game, they would say, go Cats. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we walk down the street afterwards as the parents and the players are walking down the street afterwards and there's a bunch of Nebraska fans at the bar. They stood mm-hmm. up and cheered as we walked by. Wow. I've never seen anything. I wouldn't do it. I'm not, Is that, it's, that might be too nice though, right? I mean, because so they, they have a saying. So when my son was in kindergarten, we used to do the Nebraska chant. And part of it, it says, if we should win, let us be by the code, cheering our hill high. If we should lose, let me stand by the road and cheer as, as the winners go by. And they actually do that shit. <laughs> actually did it. So I had nothing but good things to say about Nebraska fans. They were out numberless, like 17 to 1. It was so red in that stadium. But it was a great experience. Um, the Wi-Fi is two people probably getting fired after that game. Um, Scott Frost for going onside kick when they're up 11 in the third quarter and they didn't get it. We scored. We came back and won. And whoever's in charge of Wi-Fi at the stadium because their Wi-Fi went out. So they just couldn't do any purchases, so they just made all the beer and food free. Everybody just free. Oh my gosh. They free. That was like a, <laughs> it was unbelievable. That, that was somebody's prayer answered. Somebody free. prayed that prayer. We're coming morning. back with eight beers and <laughs> hot dogs and candy corn and shit. They were like, what's going on? They said the, the machines are dead and they didn't want to just have everything just go to waste. They just <laughs> freed it. <laughs> that yeah. dude was looking for a job on Scott Frost's new staff. Amen. Yeah, Scott Frost. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's another story for another day. Uh, we also have a part of the crew still in the in the building uh, from the East Coast. Though we got our man, the myth, the legend. The I, I can't say the same thing. Um, you know, it, he is none other than ETP Elster producer. What's up, good brother? Happy Happy Friday, my brothers. Good to be here. Great to Nothing be else. here. I I, I, I <laughs> like that. that was, yes. You said it a lot by <laughs> saying less. Yeah. I like that. He yeah. said he's, he shocked you. With that. I was like, wait a minute. This I was like, wait. Like, yeah. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, I'll say this, man, because I'm sending the link to a few people. Make sure yeah, they, they tune in. When I'm looking um, down, I'm either trying to look something up or I'm sending a link out to people. Sending a link to you guys texting me about the show. So apologize in advance. Um, I will say this, uh, ETP, because uh, you mentioned Happy Happy Friday. This is probably the last true summer Friday. After Labor Day, I mean, yes, it's sort of summer by name, but everyone's back to school. Everyone's back to work. Everyone's back to thinking about paying for Christmas gifts. <laughs> um, uh, this is our last leisurely summer Friday, so we started a little bit late, but why don't we go ahead and hop in, because today's episode is going by the title, Return on Investment, and it happens to be in this week, right before the last summer Friday of, of the year, uh, in the NFL, they did final cuts, and Apologies to, to our guests. We, we thought about bringing some people on, but uh, as summer would have it, I got distracted and, and we never confirmed the guest. So, so I will be the guest when it comes to this particular topic. NFL final day cuts. Final roster cuts. Getting to the number 53. Today's episode is called Return on Investments, but I want to take a step back because back in, I won't say the year, when I was going through the final cuts, uh, I think that the, the deadline was 4 p.m. and I got a call at about 3.50, 3.55 when I was in Green Bay. And that call changed my life because, you know, of a, of a slew of things. A, I, I unfortunately was cut. 
had done very well throughout camp, had, I think at that point, led the team in receptions. I thought I was good. Uh, but at 3.55, with only five minutes left to go, before they could do final cuts, I got my call. And I say it changed my life because I was I was upset and, 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 and you know, I had to readjust my outlook on it. And then my agent tells me, literally, my, my agent was my, my biological brother. My big brother says, you got to get on a plane within, you know, like 45, 50 minutes. Get all your stuff and you're going to Cleveland. But it changed my life because it changed my perspective on where sports in the whole context of my life should be and not having any power whatsoever, not having any job security whatsoever was, it was the first time my eyes were open. Fast forward, I go through uh, a year in Cleveland and, and then I'm in my second camp, same thing. Um, and, 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 you know, I get to the final day of cuts and I, again, I, I unfortunately on the wrong side of that, uh, and I would end up getting signed back with them, playing on the practice squad. But some some, some part of that conversation, when Butch Davis said to me, and it was similar to what had happened in Green Bay, Butch Davis said to me, it's nothing that you did wrong. You played very well. But at the end of the day, it's a numbers game. And anyone who has followed me in social media has seen that I use that hashtag numbers game because the the – as, as used by Bush Davis and as used in Green Bay. In Green Bay, they only kept four four receivers, I think, at the time. Normally, you keep five or six, but they had injuries in the linebacker room, so they had to shuffle. And so they said, we can play week one with only four receivers because of one linebacker being on PUP. In the, in, the, in, the, in the room where they're making these decisions, they're just figuring out numbers. How many linebackers do we need in order to play? How many can play special teams? How many? It, it's a numbers game. But for, for the athlete, for the person that has put all their life into this thing, all of their effort, all of, of their determination into this thing is way more than a numbers game. But is it? And I say, but is it? Because you think about the number of, of, of players that start off playing high school football. Roughly about <clears throat> a million. If you want it to be exact, the last count I have is 1,093,234 high school football players in the United States of America. Only about 6.5% of those high school players go on to play in college, roughly about 71,000 or so. And then, uh, only about 1% of those go on to get drafted. If you did the numbers, there's about <clears throat> total, there's about 1,700 NFL players as of today, active rosters. 53 people on 32 teams. Roughly is about 1,700. I'm going through those numbers because even at the very beginning of this journey, you have to understand that it's a numbers game. I'm going through those numbers because the 53 people that were selected to be on the 32 rosters of the NFL means that there were a lot of people 
in that overall numbers game that are not in the NFL as of today. I'm going through those numbers because I I I, I am reminded during the final cut week that no matter about the one million or the the the, the six point five that play in college or or, or, or the, 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 the roughly 1,700 to get to play in the NFL, I'm reminded that it all boils down for me to one dream. I got to live my dream. But it also boils down to me, for me, that I was able to take advantage of the opportunity and build options. I was able to build options into my situation Went back to Notre Dame for law school, and 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 for me, I I I got the most out of the game. But that one dream that a lot of players, unfortunately, this week, have to realize will not uh, come to fruition. Reminds all of us that you have to invest in more than just your sport. You have to invest in. The mind, you got to invest in relationships. You got to invest in, 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 in making sure that you're connected, access to opportunities. And with that quick, but not so quick reminder of what finals, uh, the, the final cut week looks like and how it feels and how the, the it, it impacted my concept of, of job security and numbers game. With that, that's how we got to this top. That's how we got to this title. The return on investment. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw any surprise cuts in NFL this week or who you thought should have made it. I know you got the show Hard Knocks. I don't know if any of y'all watching it. I think Hard Knocks, because of how they show the show, uh, the transaction wire probably should be prefaced by spoiler alert for those who really watch Hard Knocks. Um, But it's a week that a lot of dreams, unfortunately, have been dashed. It's a week that... Uh, is 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 a sad week for most people, uh, but a very happy week for others. And so um, I know that that at the end, the Cleveland Browns are going to win the Super Bowl based on the final cuts. Uh, but I don't know if you, <laughs> if you guys took anything else from final cuts. Yeah, yeah, no, it's on. It's on. Mike check is on. Uh, crazy week though, man. And, 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 you know, I share it every year just cause I want people to know just the journey that a lot of these athletes have gone through and hard knocks, I think sensationalizes it and people watch it and, and have a good time. Why I can't watch hard knocks cause it takes me back to a, a two moments, pivotal moments in my life when the grim reaper, that's what we call the person that is, is the one that says, Hey, coach wants to see you and bring your playbook. That's the grim reaper who walks around the, the, the locker room. No one wants to make eye contact with that person. No one makes eye contact with the Grim Reaper. Literally, like, no, I'm not looking at that person. Uh, but there, there, there were a lot of sad meetings this week, man. So I, I can't watch Hard Knocks because it takes me back to some of those sad meetings that I had. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see who's able to navigate this, 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 this cut being cut this week, and who ends up making a roster. But what an emotional roller coaster week for most of the guys that have dreamed for so long to play in the NFL. Uh, it's, it's a bittersweet ending for a lot of them, but glad to see that some people who uh, were up against the odds did make the team. Uh, I don't know if you guys took anything from it before we pivot and get into some more uh, sports business entertainment. You know, one thing that, that stuck out to me, which is just 
crazy. Like the Bears picked up like seven or eight people um, on the waiver wire, right? And I think right. about how shitty it is to go through camp and, you know, you look at your competition, you fight through, and you're like, all right, you know, they're, they're going to keep like three or four receivers or whatever, five receivers. And, uh, and I know I'm better than these last two. I'm going to be good. And a dude who didn't even wasn't even in your camp just shows right. up and then cuts you and he's on the squad. Like you didn't do the best what you need to do in your camp at your at your right. team. And you just and you still got me for all this work I've been doing. Hey, I was a part I, I said to, that my brother told me I had to be on a plane within like 45 minutes to go to Cleveland. That was one of those cases. I was one of those pickups right after uh the final cut for Cleveland. Because they, you know, they saw me play on a preseason game against them. And literally it was after interception, I continued trying to run after the defensive back as he ran a pick six, 90 yards, and I never gave up on the play. And by looking at the film and seeing me being able to close the ground between myself and the very opposite end of the, the, the end zone. There was no... Uh... No moment where you caught up to this dude. What's the guy? Yeah, I, I got very close. and But the persistence, and then for them, they said that they could tell by the way I ran. Oh, this kid is fast. Mm-hmm. But I say that to say somebody else's opportunity <laughs> was gone because of my persistence on that play. And I was one of those those pickups right after the cut that you come in, and, and they literally are watching to see that we and, – and if you're not who that tape purported you to be, You'll get cut immediately too. I saw a dude. In, in, I saw a guy in camp literally for for thirty minutes. They brought him in to return punts. He dropped one punt, and and I saw the GM do this, and all the veterans think it's funny. It's like, uh oh, but to a guy who's just trying to make it, man, you never find humor in it. Like, dude, there's nothing funny. For, for those of you who haven't played sports, like in general. Like athletes are dickheads. Like, like the things that you think are funny, I mean, think about it. The things that we laugh at each other about. Like yeah. that's somebody's whole livelihood, and you yeah. kikiing over there in the corner because he dropped. You're having a good old time on my, at my expense. But I think it's one of those like you know when you slap happy, you just start being funny. And I think you get it's so stressful and it's so emotional that you just find humor in just about everything. The stuff you know, yeah, when you get cussed out by coaches. He'd be just laughing. You're like, man, this dude just hurt my feelings. Y'all think it's funny. <laughs> but but this, the, the reality of it is, is even as you watch the Bears make their pickups, mm-hmm. they acquire people that have been cut from other teams, it's, it's a numbers game. That's where the hashtag comes from. It's literally like how do we fit the – how do we maximize these 53 slots and optimize, you know, this position, that position – uh, they have no concern whatsoever in your dream. They don't care just how painful it is at night knowing that, damn, I was this close. All they care about is their numbers. And so that's why we started to show off there because, and we'll pivot, it's incumbent upon us parents, now that I'm in youth football and and, and helping other young people navigate the, the, being a student athlete, it's incumbent upon us coaches have a responsibility uh, to make sure we communicate. It's incumbent upon us athletes. You know, young athletes want to act grown, so they don't want to act grown. It's incumbent upon everyone, the stakeholders, to let these people know you got to invest in more than just your sport. Because when you do, there's a return on your investment. 
Um, one athlete that did that this week is one of the best that ever did it. Well, the best that ever did it in terms of shooting the three-point shot. Steph Curry decided to get some return on additional investment, went back to school, and is graduating from Davidson. Yes, he also uh, he was in, was he got a number retired, inducted to their, their, their Hall of Fame there at Davidson. But Steph Curry, who I promise you does not need a degree in order to make money for the rest of his life, he felt it was important enough to go invest in education and got his degree. Shout out to Steph Curry, man. You um, say again? You think he had to pay tuition? <laughs> they paid him, probably. They I, paid, I was going to say, that was, a, that was a marketing campaign for nah, Davidson University. Because even after even after he finishes playing basketball, he's going to go play golf. So he doesn't need that degree. He does nothing. not need to have a degree. <laughs> But indeed, man, just for his own sense of accomplishment, just for, for the ability. There are different ways to describe someone. You either describe someone as they went to Davidson or they're a Davidson graduate. He wanted to be in the in the second camp. The latter half of the description makes more, for him, makes more sense. So shout out to him, man. But yeah, it, it that's shows. a really good school, actually. I didn't know that. Davidson's a great school. Yeah. Great school. Great little art school. Yeah, it's it's one of those schools that's always on best bang for your buck. Absolutely. Davidson's a great school. Um, but but I hope that the young people that 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 spend most of their days watching Steph Curry's you know, the release on his shot, watching some of his combinations and his highlights. I hope those same young people really, really take ownership of the example that he has set and follow him in that regard as well. Because just like you can follow, uh, you know, his, his, his tips on how to become a better jump shooter, follow his, his example of how to improve your life. Return on investment, make sure you get your education. So I don't know if you guys had anything to add to it, but I thought that was cool that Steph Curry, a guy who does not need a degree whatsoever in the, in the general traditional context of how we think a degree opens up opportunities for you to create a career, he don't need that. But he felt it still important enough to go get his degree. Anybody want to add to it before we pivot? It's a good, it's a, I'd be interested to know how important it was for him personally. I definitely think that it's a good example, right? To show that you can even be a successful athlete. You can leave school early, you know, you can finish your commitment. Cause there's a lot of people, you know, you, you went down the numbers to start the show. You got to have other options. Obviously, a college degree will open up some doors to you that you might not otherwise get access to. So it's good just to have it as an example, whether or not it was a good investment of his time and right. <laughs> in terms of what he wants to accomplish. Right. Arguably not. Right. But <laughs> for the greater good, sure. Yeah. I mean, it, especially at a time where especially a time where people are questioning with, with this whole loan forgiveness debate politically more broadly people are questioning the value proposition of amassing so much college debt is the degree worth it it just seems in in that time frame for him to go get his degree um shout out to him though man shout out to him anyone uh, big flow show before before we I just say on. you know you look at it i think what happens with a lot of these guys you know jerome just went back and did it 
you know, Jerome's got a, a, a high Jerome school. Jerome Bettis for y'all. You're going to be like that. He's one of them dudes. Like, there's only one Jerome. Jerome Bettis happens to be his I friend. Actually, I actually hate people to do that. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> you know Jerome. Jerome. Can't Jerome. stand first namers. Jerome Bettis, he went back and graduated. And I think I didn't talk to him about this, so I'm just speculating. But, you know, his son is in high school. Uh, you start to get towards that. Like, all right, man, I'm preaching college, college, college to these kids, and I didn't do it. So let me go do it. So I think, I think when these kids, these dudes start to have kids start to grow older and they're talking to them, they just can't be hypocrites and they want to go set an example. Very fair. Um, for those of you who just joined us, man, it's the Ballhawk Sports Talk with Sports Business Entertainment Collide. Today's episode is, is entitled The Return on Investment. And uh, I've, I've seen, we got the celebrity uh, guests in the building or celebrity viewers in the building. My man, uh, Chad Bennett, who, uh, is good, good dude, man. Good dude. He has a a a, 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 a biker club, like bicycling. They cycle, cyclists. I think they cycling club. I don't know. I, obviously, I'm not a cyclist. I got a Peloton. Does that count? Peloton. Yeah, you a cyclist. But uh, he's got a. He started a, a a cyclist club called the Black Watts, and they do a good job doing just just making sure they advocate for um, men's health among black men, all brothers. And then the thing I can't get with is the outfit with the cyclist. I ain't doing that, bro. You know what I mean? So that, but once I get over it, I'm joining, man. I'm coming to Black Watts. And then my man, Keith Wilkerson, uh, both of these celebrity audience members are are, are yeah, poking man, the bear a little this. bit. Once Chad says go next, my man, Keith Wilkerson, who uh, is arguably the best ever. Watch this statement now. The best ever when it comes to running backs in South Florida. That's a statement right there. And I ain't the only one that makes it. Uh, went to Ohio State and and uh, uh, one point was starting before Eddie George. Unfortunately, things didn't work out there, but it has worked out with him being um, not only a supporter of our show, uh, but also up this morning uh, poking the bear saying, go Buckeyes. We're going to get there. We're going to talk about this Notre Dame. I got on mine too, Notre Dame. I found the one Notre Dame shirt with red in it. Just to let them know we're going to conquer all the red seat that is in the horseshoe. We're going to get to that Notre Dame-Ohio State game. We got, we're got definitely going to talk about that. Before we do, let's get to another GOAT um, because we went from Steph Curry getting his degree to, 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 to Serena Williams getting her flowers. Getting her flowers. There was a tribute that was all queued up for her, and I don't know if the tribute being queued up means they thought that she was going to win or lose, but Serena, in the most imaginable manner, it was literally that Hulk Hogan on that third one. It, you're not going to get the pin on Hulk Hogan on that, you know, that third one. One, two. Serena did not allow her career to go down just yet. Serena, who's provided more highlights and moments in terms of an athlete than. I won't say I won't say more than anyone, but she's got ooh her track record is ooh. Serena was able to do the unthinkable. She won not only the first but now the second round. She beat the number two seed in an amazing environment, and we've got our special guest here to tell you about that environment. Our own resident U.S. Open expert. He who goes by the name of ETP. Elster, producer, you was in the building, man. Tell us about it, my brother. All I have to say is, and I've, I think I've said this on shows previously, the U.S. Open 
is arguably for me it's not arguable it's my favorite live sporting event period but it's just a really cool experience all day you know a lot of it's just a very casual but it's a very new york situation but you get some tennis so there's obviously a prestige to it you spend a lot of money <laughs> when you're there but yeah. uh but yeah no you know was there on monday for serena's kind of entry into her last her last run and did you, you wish did, did you wish that that like ireland the wi-fi went down and they gave you free beer and free everything they would just shut it down it's like we ain't serving nothing the cheapest beer there i think was 14 dollars. so there's no way they were giving that, <laughs> that away. <was> for <laughs> Yeah. They would have. They would have definitely took all your. They took your social security number, your bank account number. They'll come back for you when the system goes it was like back. We got easy pass. Hey, just hit Man, the easy wa- pass. Water. Water costs six dollars when you're out there. So everything. Everything is expensive. But no, nah, man. Great, amazing atmosphere. You know, I was Monday, Serena. I think there was a lot of energy because people were showing up there, thinking that it could be her last match based on way the way that she played the previous tournament a couple weeks ago when she lost mm-hmm. but she showed up she showed up and and the US Open you know it's it's kind of her house like she it's you know she's been there she's a six time winner she's always competitive there she loves playing there the crowd loves her i mean that's that's the craziest thing is the opponents that she's been playing i don't know another situation where you have every single person in the stands cheering against you like i can't think even if you go to a yankees red sox game in somebody either part there, yeah. there's somebody there wearing the opponent's jersey and heckling and making some so this is i mean this was the situation Twenty three thousand people arthur ash stadium everybody's cheering for serena everybody's cheering against the other player cheering when there's double faults cheering when anything goes wrong for the other you know for the other opponent so I hadn't thought it's of a, it like that. That's kind of, that is kind of tall task. Like the entire stadium is against me. I want her stadium. own coach. Her own it's coach probably found himself. It's a second round game. Yeah. And all the people showed up because they thought she was gonna get it was gonna be her last match. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. kind so of it's, crazy, but. it's become more and more of a spectacle. So Monday they thought, you know, this was they they interviewed her as if it was the end of her. Her career, they get you know they showed them a montage. They brought you know there was a bunch of celebrities. Mike Tyson, Bill Clinton was getting some tips from Dr. Ruth. They were sitting next to each other. Um, who yeah, else was there? Hey, I'm, I'm just telling you what I saw, man. You, I'm the I'm the ball hog sports talk. U.S. Open correspondent. I'm there just you are. Giving right. you information. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so now, man, but I mean, I th- yo. I could talk about the experience all all day. I think the main thing that that's really great about this is the way Serena's playing right now is she's basically proving and solidifying that she's walking away not because she can't play, but because she but because she doesn't want to play anymore. Like she can still, I mean, she's still doing damage, right? So she's hopefully she'll go farther. I know going into this, I was worried about her not you know, not being able to make it too far. Naomi Osaka got knocked out. She got waxed in the first round. Coco Golf still going. Coco Golf just hit the fastest serve uh, in a long time, top five ever, 128 miles an hour, 18 years old. 
Tied for the and, second um, fastest ever. I think tied with for Serena's the fifth record. fastest. Tied Serena's record, and she's only eighteen, so she'll probably break the record in the next year or two. But and then yesterday, Serena and Venus came out for doubles. That was an exciting match, but they they ended up losing. And and the opponents, I don't know their names, but they acted like they just won the entire tournament because they, they were, beat the because the they beat Venus and Serena. When in reality, I think. They kind of made a made a deal at the beginning, like, look, let's gonna save we're gonna save your energy for the singles. We didn't think you were gonna continue on. Right. We'll eat this one. <laughs> let's right. just use it as a little tune-up. But no, but it was, I mean, again, you have an entire stadium, 23,000 people, literally. But, not it, it, one fan. Like, I don't even think your the, their family members were cheering for them at this point. <laughs> so, um in this episode of Return on Investment, and, and I know we talked about King Richard, the doc, the, the movie itself, um, but during the week you shared ETP, you shared a video clip of Arthur Ashe, and I think it was you, ETP, that shared it, mm-hmm. but talking about how in environments where he dominates, places like the New York Athletic Club, Places that espouse to be uh, principled such to represent our country. Places like that, he's not allowed to be a member. We talk about all the sacrifices that that King Richard, Richard Williams made, and the family itself, and, and more broadly. But to see Serena have such a run, 40-year-old, still, while not being the absolute best, still being one of the best at this point she's in the third round of the u.s open she beat the number two in the world or, or is it two in the turn i don't know what the two she beat the number two seed. two seed number two seed yeah and beating the number two seed at this point in her career we're still seeing the return on those investments return on the sacrifices and so you know i posted something about you know, i talked about serena and last week we said something about serena and someone saying you know, Althea Gibson, they were talking about other people that have made sacrifices. But Serena, I think, is the she's the return on the investment. And so I'm I'm glad to see that we are giving her flowers. I hope she can, you know, figure out how to, you know, strike lightning in the bottle for this US open run. And we'll see how, how much further it goes. Um any anything else before we move on, man. Shout out to Serena and her US Open run. We got to get to this. I see somebody else. What's up, good bro? My my, my good fraternity brother, my, my boy Darren Burton is talking about uh, when our junior Jaguars playing for Ohio State. The, we got to give the people what they want. They want to hear about this Notre Dame-Ohio State game where Ohio State, Ohio State is a 17-point favorite. So we're going to talk about it here in a second. But anything uh, about Serena before we get out of it? I just think she deserves it. I hope she makes it the win. She deserves to go out on top and have her moment like that. Even though I can't say it. I can't say it. <laughs> no, you should. Even though what? Now, now you have to you say have it. To the say fact it that now. you're thinking it, it means you have to say it. It's rough, rugged, and raw. It's the Ball Hawk Sports Talk. You're thinking it. You got to say it. Only because you said rough, rugged, and raw. <laughs> <laughs> but was it just me or did, did Serena look like a church elder out there the way she was dressed? <laughs> she looked like the lady that shortchanged you on the mac and cheese and the line. <laughs> she came out with a with a gold cape. I don't want to get canceled. Hey, I don't want to get canceled. I love my queen. She looked when, it, when I oh, tuned in. She a queen. 
She's your she's queen, queen elder she's of the church. <laughs> when I tuned in, she looked like a church elder. I was like, there's no way she's going to win this. She looked just, just <laughs> not going to win. So I cut it off because I was like, oh, man. Serena, I love you. I'm sorry I had to say Yeah, that. I love you, but I called you a church elder. Don't you look like that. <laughs> I hope you put one of your own. You like fashion sense is way better than mine, right? <laughs> so I just hope that, you know what I'm saying, maybe I just don't get, get it. Your drip was, was missed on me. Oh man, you were ridiculous, man. You were ridiculous. Uh, my man Donald Jones in the building. Another, we got all these celebrities, man. Donald Jones, what's up, my guy? Uh, on our coaching staff, but also uh, at one point play receiver for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, his son is a big, a big, big who also wears number nineteen for our team, Big Flow. His son wears number nineteen because Donald Jones wore number nineteen for Buffalo. But his son's a big Ohio State fan, so we got all these people prodding us about this game. I'm just, I'm, it's oh, coming. Darren Burton, Darren Burton, this is this is disrespectful. Simon's brother plays for Notre Dame. He used to, he transferred, he transferred, he transferred to Pitt. Yeah, we lost him too. I know, I know, I know. He went right to the son. You know, yeah, the older Simon. Fun fact, fun fact: I grew up with their mom. You said that to me I, because I they got New Jersey mom. roots. I did, I thought you was lying. From, I was from Evanston, Illinois. Amy Ellis grew up with her, uh, and somehow she ended up in Jersey and messing with child. So she gave me all our people. That's the talent came from from Evanston. Her talent really came from Evansville. So you, so you're you're playing Evanston. No disrespect. Evanston. Evanston. I'm sorry, Evanston. Evanston. My bad. Evanston. Well, I call me plus one. Um. All right, y'all. Let's get moving. We're going to talk about quickly because we got to get into we got to get into this Notre Dame Ohio State game. So quickly, let's talk about since um, we we went from Serena, uh, who is doing her thing, really doing her thing. Let's get into Shakari Richardson since it's a, a quick, really a quick stab at this. Uh, Shakari Richardson was able to beat um, Elaine Thompson, the Jamaican who is who has been one of the three Jamaicans who Shakari has not been able to beat. She she was able to beat her so. Uh, on this invest, on this episode, return on investment. I think Shakari started investing in herself, started investing in her own mental health, started <laughs> investing in uh, her training, and it seems to be paying off. Uh, and maybe she did invest in some cannabis. I don't know, but but she running fast again. Shout out to Shakari Richardson. I don't know if you guys wanted to chime in. Uh, we're sprinting through it now, so uh, pun intended. So anybody wanted to chime in with Shakari Richardson, go ahead. If not, we'll move forward. It's it's just good to it's good that she's still competing, right? Like she definitely hit a hit a rough patch after everything missing the Olympics, and she's just be, she became a spectacle. It was very possible she was just going to go off the wrong path and you know, get out of the Bob. sport. She was yeah, almost just, show Bob. And and just basically be the you know a meme and the butt of a joke and you know she was feeding into that for a little bit but she's clearly training this it, it was an interesting race because it was it was raining I mean they ran a, a pretty slow race but you know at the end of the day the fact that you can get up against the Olympic gold medal winner you know from the last Olympics and and win a race I'm it's I'm glad I'm glad to see her because she was she was hyped it going into the Olympics she missed that opportunity you know the next Olympics are right around the corner. 2024 so hopefully she'll be right there let's go shikar anything to add to a big flow show for i said this on? is america winning cures all woes so no matter what she did however whatever as long as she didn't hurt any animals um you know what i mean they forgive you if you win so 
Win. Just keep winning. You straight. Just don't hurt animals. <laughs> but you, and it's got to be select animals first of all, because you you're allowed that. What's the little fly that's attacking the trees? You're supposed to kill that. Now we you know, no, we got this. An What's what? That's an animal. A, a fly. That's a, what is it? If it's not an animal, you can't name it. it ain't an animal. <laughs> <laughs> It's the dragonfly. They're telling us to kill it because it's killing the trees, man. Whatever it's called, fruit the dragon. Spotted, fruit. The spotted, spotted lantern fly. Spotted, spotted lantern. There you go. So the rules. That's a fly that's not an animal. It's a bug. What? I don't know. Okay, man. I don't. You know, I, I got a pet fly. <laughs> I wait. <laughs> so it has to be a pet. That's what I'm saying. You can't hurt pets. There you go. Yeah, you you got to um, have a good personality. You got to have a good personality. <laughs> Uh, and if you sent some sarcasm of what we're saying, you should. Uh, um, <laughs> let's let's get to um, the story that I want to get to before we hop into Notre Dame and Ohio State is LeBron because their connection. Shakari Richardson is is one of the spokespeople for Beats by Dre, and so is LeBron. And in this episode, of return on investment. I don't know if there's been in in our in, in our lifetime. In terms of business, I won't say that because I mean, what what Jordan has done with with the brand Jordan, the shoe is crazy. But um, being having a diverse portfolio, you talk about return on investment. LeBron keeps on expanding, and now he's got another interest in a football football soccer team. Uh, LeBron keeps expanding his portfolio, man. The rich keep getting richer, and while I am a pronounced LeBron hater, especially since he left the Miami Heat. There's only four years out of his career that I like to highlight those while he was in Miami, while I like to clown him on his hairline uh, and and clown him on trying to put together dream teams every year. While I am one of those people, I'm also someone that has to acknowledge fully and embrace that this man, from a business standpoint, is a straight-up mogul. Shout out to him in terms of return on investment. ETP. This brother keeps on expanding his portfolio, man, and it's, it's happening right before our eyes. I know that we like to celebrate Magic Johnson and what he was able to do from a business standpoint. But LeBron James, I think, is might be getting to the point where, I mean, I, I don't, don't want to compare their overall net worth, but he is acting Magic-ish when it comes to his business prowess. Shout out to him, man, despite all my hate. Yeah, man, it definitely, definitely is changing, literally changing the game in terms of athletes becoming investors and business executives in the landscape. And even, you know, the thing that's interesting about this deal that kind of challenges even to the level of what Magic's doing, LeBron is diversified to the point where he owns a piece of the Boston Red Sox and then goes and partners with the New York Yankees to buy a soccer team. So. He has, I mean, he has a part now. He has relationships with the Yankees, ownership with the Red Sox, Dallas Cowboys, Liverpool, AC Milan. He's he's touching, he's touching as much as he can. Where you know, Magic, yeah. very LA focused. You know, Dodgers. You know, obviously had the connection with the Lakers, but just the idea that he's just putting his presence and yeah. taking owners, you know, investing sub objectively. Right. And just creating these relationships where he's got a he's got a hand in pretty much the entire sports landscape or he will very soon. Absolutely. The only return on investment that has not happened is because I think he tried to invest some resources into his hairline. He had I had to. I had to. If I didn't do it, then, you know, what I mean, my man, Crit asked for my man, Crit asked. I had to. I had to. Sorry. 
what else you got, man, in terms of uh, of LeBron? I know you are a LeBron guy. I know that. I mean, kind of, kind of, sort of. You're a LeBron guy. Kind of, sort of. I sent you guys that video. I sent you that video today showing LeBron. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, not, not, don't say that. See, that's, see, when we get we get on camera and obviously you sent me the video. No, no, you sent us a video saying it's hard to argue anybody was better than that. That's the first – I woke up to that. You're in the central time zone. I wake up to a LeBron video which you said it's hard to argue anybody was better than that. He, he's not listening to me. Did you watch the video? <laughs> I watched the video. If you, if you enjoyed anyone's highlight tape better than that, like, he went, oh, but he didn't do this, nothing. It's a highlight tape. I know everybody has highlights. I'm gonna post this. In the so you think you you think that that's okay to to the first words that I read this morning was it's hard to. Uh, did you, you want me to say morning, gentlemen? Is that what you want, <laughs> or did you just want to just that? That'd have been nicer than just putting to, LeBron in my face said, that early. <laughs> I'm gonna try to put this in the comments so y'all can see this LeBron thing. But anyway, um, from a business standpoint, though, I mean, I like him because he's going to the people. Like, you know, a lot of people just invest well. They get somebody to manage their money. But he's at that next level up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going where the owners are at. Those people never lose, right? The owners. Eventually, these soccer teams and all this stuff is going to get are going to get sold for, like, record money. And he's going he's gonna to keep eating. I just yeah. build the machine, keep eating. He's giving back, right? You know, he's doing a lot of things for the community. But he's getting to the top of the food chain. And I appreciate yeah. that. You know, pulling his sons up, doing whatever he's got to go do. Um I don't know. I'm a, I'm a LeBron fan, so. And uh, my man Patrick Rose says so. So is his wife, and, and she's made millions herself. Uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't say that, right? Because uh, you know the old saying. I'm sure it's changed now in 2022, but it used to be behind every good man's good woman. Now they probably said by his side or in front of him. I don't know. Uh, you know, the uh, PC police will probably kill me for making that statement. I, she behind but we'd be remiss if we did not absolutely celebrate that look it's gotta be challenging to be the spouse of someone that prominent that yeah. every time I don't you know how out, hard that is I mean okay. from a financial standpoint <laughs> nah, we, man. Look, it's hard it's hard but we would all take it but but, I, but to <laughs> I mean, be I mean, you your business partners of a pretty big business at that point, even though you know partners. there's a lot of elements Absolutely. that you know that they do independently, but to operate that entire reality, both the family and all of the business dealings and the and the fame and the celebrity and the foundation and all of these things, it's a part it's a partnership to the fullest extent. And it and it's, it's it goes yes. way beyond love, obviously. I I'm not touching. Oh, love that. of money. Yeah, I'm not touching that. Like, he said it goes beyond love. I'm not. I'm saying up. it's the. It's not just like oh, we're married to get. You know, we're married and we love each other and everything's great. It's we have to actually operate this entire system. Oh, yeah. that revolves around us, and it's not just oh, let's go on vacation and you know have date night. There's there's a lot of business that takes place that you have to maintain. Right. And I'll give you that. You know, you got to dress up and go to events you don't want to go to and oh, meet people oh, you don't care to meet. You think you don't think that's much of a sacrifice. I hear you. Big flow show. I that's get my, it. That's my wife. I mean, we, like, 
if if she <laughs> she'll leave my ass in a minute for that type of uh stress. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> for that kind of stress. It's moment. not for everybody, man. It's not oh, for man. everybody. It's, it's for most of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't know if it's for me, but I'd like to try it out. <laughs> it's for most people. I can I get a it's test drive with the difficulties and shit, crying me a river. All All right. Hey, look, man. uh, Look, uh, if you haven't been told you are in the ball hog sports talk experience, this is the crew uh, with sports business entertainment collide. I'd be remiss if if at this moment, because we about to hop in because LeBron, LeBron is a topic of his own. We we about to hop into some other stuff. But before we do, let me just say, please like, please comment, please share, please tag a friend, please tag a foe tag anybody that you know and please subscribe to both our youtube channel and to our podcast i pause for a split second to say that it doesn't cost you anything on this episode of return on investment if you like comment share tag a friend tag a phone subscribe the return on investment for us would be huge so we ask you that doesn't cost you anything but about three seconds so please uh do that lebron uh has a few things that I hate on, but the thing I hate on most is LeBron is an Ohio State fan. Ohio born and raised. He is a pronounced Ohio State fan. LeBron will probably be there this Saturday in the horseshoe with Notre Dame. Notre Dame. The Fighting Irish. Come into town. And I've said this every single football season. And I'm going to warn you one last time. The most dangerous words in all of college football are, and here come the Irish. You see how scared so he got? He got nervous? He got nervous. He got shook a little bit. We showing Notre Dame shirt today. (laughs) What I'm saying to you is, in Columbus, Ohio, you are now on notice. You have been officially warned. You you sound the, the alarm, the tornado alarms. Whatever you need to do to make sure that you got to put the women and kids to bed, it is now time for you to hear the most dangerous words in all of college football because Columbus, I shall warn you here and now, here come the Irish. Notre Dame is going to Columbus, Ohio to play in the horseshoe as a not one, not two, not three. I got it. It would take too long to get there. A 17 point underdog. The number two team. We started off talking about numbers game. It's the number two team in the country versus the number five team in the country. And somehow, some way, the difference between number two and number five, I know when you go on the road, that's about six points right there. But somehow, they have deemed the number two team versus the number five team is a 17-point spread. As a Notre Dame man, if you can't tell because I wear it on my sleeve and wear it on my heart, wear it everywhere. I even got Notre Dame draws. Maybe too much information. <laughs> but as a Notre Dame man, I tell you, let me look right into the mirror. Don't you dare. Don't you dare insult us like that. A 17-point underdog going in as the number five team. A 17-point underdog. Notre Dame is going to shock the college football world. And we are going to beat the spread. (laughs) 
We're going to beat the spread. We ain't losing by 17 points. I don't know if we're going to win. Y'all might win. I think we're going to win. Seventeen. We 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 not losing by seventeen points. We not losing. Period. And then let me just add another sentence. And if we do, it ain't gonna be by more than seventeen points. Notre Dame, I think, is gonna go in. the The Notre Dame team has rallied around Marcus Freeman. For those of you who don't know, Marcus Freeman played his college football at the Ohio State of Notre Dame. The Ohio State. How we have celebrated that they are that petty that, from an intellectual property standpoint, they tried to protect the use of the word "the." That school, the Ohio State University, the Ohio State University being a 17-point favorite to me is insulting. I don't think that their players, Notre Dame's players, are going to go out like that. They're going to go represent for their coach. They rallied around Coach Freeman. They're going to go in there into the horseshoe, and they're going to win one for the Gipper. They're going to win one for Coach Freeman. Notre Dame comes out. They're going to prevail. They're going to shock the entire guy. I've changed my stance. To hell with the spread. Notre Dame is going to beat Ohio State. You heard it here first on the Ball Hawk Sports Talk. Make sure that when they ask you, you let them know that I told you so. Yeah. I I think it's I I want to agree with you. This this spread is disrespectful. It should have, it should be no more than sixteen points. <laughs> Yo, you always make so, me out my coffee, bro. That's how you do it. And I, see. and I, and I, I cannot. No, you know, it's no. I'm, 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 I'm poke, I'm poking a bear. I'm, I'm trolling you. But, <laughs> but I guess the, the question that I have is, they're ranked that high. They have this great, you know, Notre Dame has the great recruiting class. Like, what, what's the rationale for the spread, right? Like, is it the coaching? Is it the defense? Like, what? What's the rationale? Like they're both ranked in the top ten. It this doesn't make any sense. Well, no, Ohio State does have. Let's be fair. To, to Vegas, first of all, Vegas normally doesn't get it wrong, but sometimes they do. Ohio State does have the odds-on favorite, Heisman favorite, as their quarterback. They do have a receiver room that every year just they just they pumping out NFL guys. And the youngest best one is back. They have a lot, so I'm not going. I'm not going to sit here and act like they're not a good team. But Notre Dame has a lot. And if you, if, if we thought, here, here's what I'm saying. In this episode of, of, of Return on Investment, and we've talked about numbers game, it shows just how meaningless the preseason rankings are. Because if one team is ranked number five, how can that same team be a 17 point underdog to the number two team? It just seems as though let's just do away with preseason rankings altogether. We we should just say that the red team is against the green team instead of number two versus number five, because they don't mean anything if it's a seventeen point underdog. To me, the only thing less, or uh, two things that I should say are, are completely insignificant is preseason rankings and week one spreads. Nebraska was a thirteen point favorite, Northwestern lost by three. Uh, how do you know what a team is going to do? You have never seen this team play ever. That's the beauty of college football is you're never going to see the same team twice, right? They're going to move out. you got different quarterbacks. Well, you know, he's got drones and stuff, though. Vegas will figure it out, Jack. Vegas I'm just saying, we had 511 games yesterday. We should look at the spreads and see how I mean, they were. Hey, you sound yeah. like you was from Florida. Then. I was from South Florida Roots right now. How many games we had yesterday? 511. <laughs> 511 times. Uh, we had a lot of games last night. I'd love to check the spreads. I just think week one spreads are stupid. You know what I mean? Like, they're not 
What are you basing it on? You don't ever know who's – how many times at the end of the season do you see people in the top ten They were unranked before the season? How many times do you see people that just blow – I mean, it's all based off of super speculation. Now, week two and three, yeah, I know the, the spreads there, but I'm just saying I, I don't think there's, there's a um, – Notre Dame can – I think their O-line is always monstrous. We got a good running game. I think this quarterback is going to surprise some people. Everyone's thinking that they're looking at the quarterback that just barely played – a little bit last year, yeah. and they're thinking that there's no way he got better. I'm going to give the Northwestern example again. A lot of people looked at the Northwestern quarterback, said he was trash, he had a fantastic game. But yeah. you got to look at the circumstances that these kids went through. They all were good in high school. They all had you know, reason to believe they're good, and then their circumstances made them not perform to the expectations. They get out there, they get a year, they get confidence, they get reps, and all of a sudden they're who, who they who thought they were. Notre Dame is going to be kind of shaky at receiver as far as depth. They got the best tight end in the game. They got three solid running backs and a great line. So why shouldn't they score? Uh, I see my man Patrick Roach. Thanks for joining in. He says, uh, he asked, what Irish player do you think will surprise the most tomorrow? Uh, and he says his take is the running back estimate. And the reason I, I, I made sure we hung the um, that comment up is estimate is a, a New Jersey kid. I think he went to uh, St. Joe um, – St. Joe up in Monmouth. I think that's the school he went to. Uh, New York kid. I think he's from uh, Spring Valley area. Uh, not New Jersey. This area. Uh, so hopefully you're right, man. I would love to see him do well. And my man, Chufu John Cheeky Black says, Purdue covered, Tennessee covered, and West Virginia covered. Let me just say, for two of those games, Purdue didn't cover. Um, uh, oh, no, no. Actually, Purdue didn't cover. I'm sorry. Uh, West Virginia, on the other hand, did they really? I don't think they covered. That was a six. They lost by seven. I think I don't know if West Virginia covered, but both of them, both of those teams, figured out a way to lose the game. Purdue literally figured out a way to lose the game. West Virginia figured out a way to lose the game. Now the Tennessee thing was a whole different situation, but they figured out how to lose the game. Tennessee covered by a lot. Y'all, they that you know. Um, Who would take a thirty-seven point? <laughs> Like I'll take it any day, right? Oh, you had him at seven and a half. All right. My man's Chufu Jordan. All right, you caught it early then. I think it was down to six by kickoff. Um uh, that that uh that that, uh West Virginia and Pittsburgh game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but West Virginia figured out how to lose the game too. Um you see you you see early in the season, uh, first of all, we got four more days of a five-day run of college football. If you love college football, this is your favorite part of the year. Uh, this episode, Return on Investments, you see what the summer sacrifices yielded. You see which teams were able to come together. You see which teams or uh, which programs that were the beneficiaries of some of these transfers, who's getting the return on their investment. So it's a fun weekend because we get to learn a lot about each one of these teams. We get to learn a lot about uh, each one of these uh, conferences. And I think that... Uh, when Notre Dame, not if, but when Notre Dame shocks the world and beats Ohio State, uh, the Big Ten is, is going to have some answering to do. Uh, because I don't know just how good, uh, of course, we love Northwestern. But Ohio State is supposed to be the creme de la creme of the Big Ten. If not, I love Michigan State. I think Michigan State is a sleeper this year. I don't know who, who else you're looking at. Let's take Notre Dame and Northwestern off the table. Who do we like when we think of college football for this year? It's tough to ever bet against Nick Saban. 
it, it we're finally going to see in Brian Kelly, we're going to see uh, a new LSU-led team when they go and play Florida State on, I think their game is on Sunday. Uh, we got games every single day throughout the Labor Day weekend. Anybody that you guys are looking for, we talked about Notre Dame, who the surprise players will be, and I'll give that. I'll, I will answer your question, Patrick Roach, in terms of who I think is going to shine for Notre Dame. But even more broadly, college football, what are we looking at? What's the landscape looking like as we go into this particular college football season? Who's going to get the biggest return on their investments, whether it be incoming transfers, whether it be uh, new coaches, uh, whether it just be uh, just the sacrifices they made throughout the offseason? Who do we think is going to prevail when it comes to college football? What teams you're saying? What's the new team? What, yeah, which teams? Which teams do you think that, that – and I know it's hard to say early, but we got to say it because this is what we do. So uh, is there anyone you think that might be a sleeper going in? I, I don't know about sleeper, but I, I think my anticipation for uh, USC is is probably the, the top right now. I mean, they got so many new players over there, so much new talent, and then they have um, a new coach. I think they're going to sneak up. Obviously, they got an easy conference. Um, I said it. And so they had an easy conference that they're going to go in there. So say it with know. your chest. Say it one more time. I bet you won't say it again. Uh, they got an easy conference. <laughs> I mean, they got one team they got to beat in the conference. Uh, I don't know. Utah's pretty good too. So I don't know. I think USC is going to be the big shocker uh, of the season as they bounce back. Yeah. Uh, we shall see, man. I, I I just don't like the whole musical chairs when it comes to these conferences. So some programs, USC being one of them, that are engaged in this musical chairs, I'm rooting for them to do terrible this year. And I'm a hater. It's USC. So I admit I'm a hater as a Notre Dame man. Uh, but I, I do think that when you look at how they have now been much more successful in the recruiting space, USC is definitely on the cusp of something special. Um, I don't know if it, it's, it's Reggie Bush, Matt Leinard-like special, when they had that run and they controlled all of recruiting. Um, but we shall see. They had everything west of the Mississippi at one point. And every once in a while, they would get a, 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 a the top receiver from Tampa, Florida. USC had a run that was, was pretty impressive. I don't know if they're going to go on one of them runs, but they have done very well in the recruiting cycle. ETP, anybody, when you think of college football, the landscape, and please, our audience members, you know we love this. I see my man Patrick Roach says A&M. Uh, I saw somebody else talked about uh, LSU earlier. Um, any, please do chime in. Who do you guys think we should be looking for? Is there a dark horse in the race in terms of college football that would uh, exceed expectations by the end of the year? Project it now because we are going to come back to this tape. Just like everybody's going to come back to this tape when Notre Dame beats Ohio State and say that crazy dude told us it was going to happen. Anybody else that you guys think is going to prevail this year in college football? ETP to you. What's the prognosis, man? What, what are you projecting? We got this I big mean, thing called college football, this big business. You know, this is sports entertainment. Where sports business entertainment collide. Big business, college football. What should we be looking for? I mean, I'm interested to see what happens with, you know, all these coaching changes and people transferring and, you know, just the, the conference shakeups. Like, it'll it'll just be interesting. I don't have a, any specific schools or teams that I think are going to, you know, shine more than others, but it'll just be interesting because I think in, it'll be – this is kind of a test with all of these changes, you know, so quickly. How are we going to 
how is the landscape going to be affected by it? So I'm interested yeah. to just see how that all works out. I'd like to see Georgia. I'd like to see Georgia show, you know, show back up. You know, I think they were always counted out. They didn't, they weren't expected to really do what they did last year. So I'd like to see them can, you know, continue with that level of success. <clears throat> and obviously, you know, because they were able to take out Alabama. So that's, that's the only one I'm looking for to see if they can have some sustained success. But ultimately I think just with all the shakeups that are happening and then even with, <clears throat> we were talking about it before the show, just with the potential expansion of the, you know, of the college football playoff and all of the just changes. Even oh, yeah, the votes today, that vote or, today. or the or college football coming out of the NCAA, all of these things happening at the same time. It, it'll be interesting to see how it affects actually the the sport itself. And the and the product on the field, because when you think about again, this is ball hawk sports talk. Where sports, business, and entertainment collide. We have talked about NIL deals and its impact on college football, and they showed, um, you know, different. I ain't gonna call them out by name. They showed different players from different schools that were the the the, the a part of NIL deals, big NIL deals. One guy's driving a G wagon on campus, another guy's driving a Lamborghini on campus. And hopefully they have also money managers and they're not just going to spend all their monies at car dealerships. But does that change sort of the product on the field? Because now that I've made the money such that I can drive a G-Wagon, if you would have seen someone in college football driving a G-Wagon on campus back in the day, compliance would have had a heart attack. That in itself would have been, you know, there's some guys that have money that were from money. But the two players that I just referred to, I don't think any one of them are notoriously from money, uh, uh, you know, in terms of their family. A G-Wagon on campus? Come on. Big flow show back in our day at the risk of sounding old. If you had it driving a G-Wagon on campus, a Lamborghini on campus, you're going to be like, oh, this man trying to get the whole thing. <laughs> like, we're not, we not going to make it snitching. to the bye week, man. What's going on? <laughs> Dry snitching, you driving that around here, man. You're trying to get us all caught up. So I'm interested to see whether or not it translates into people playing it a little safer. As a football player, as a quarterback, a mobile quarterback, am I playing? Am I making more business decisions during the game? Does the play fall off because the money has already been exchanged? Is there going to be more return on investments as, you, you know, if, I, if, if I'm the quarterback in the same conference and I know old buddy over there, you know, we used to look at film and be like, yo, man, dude, dude making that throw. He's, you know, he, he's making some great decisions and we would compare film. Now, these guys might be looking left, looking right, looking within the conference saying, yo, old boy driving a G-Wagon. I got to go out and make some plays to make sure I get that kind of bread. It's just a whole different landscape. And like you said, we're going to see whether or not there's been return on investments in terms of transfers. But this college season feels as though there's much more business in the big, the already established big business setting of college football. And this year with the movements with coaches and this year with some of the extensions on these coaches' contracts and this year with the players being the recipients of big, large, meaningful, substantially sizable NIL deals, it feels like somehow, some way, big business got even bigger. And so I'm looking forward to it. Go ahead, uh, Big Flo. I mean, it did. I mean, looking to expand the playoffs, I think we got to look and see, like, there's so much going on between expansion of the playoffs, the big TV contracts, everything coming together, uh, conference realignment. It's all coming. It's all together. I need, you know, 
I got to throw this question out, though. You know, the NIL, I think, was kind of a smoke screen that they put out there to to defer or to, to kind of distract us. But the question is going to be hard and fast now. Everyone's been crying broke. Everyone's been saying, what about the female sports and the non uh, the non-revenue generating sports? Uh, what about these? What about those? The Big Ten is about to get $100 million a year per school. They were getting 56 or $57 million a year per school before. There's no new expenses that come with that $43 million, right? It's not like they got to go do blah, 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 blah. They just got to keep playing, do whatever. At some point, that $43 million, somebody got to explain why, because the coaches are going to start getting paid more money. You better believe that, right? They're not stupid. They got agents. They're going to say, hey, look, you guys got all this bread. I need to. There's no way in the world my man's coaching for $2 million. You got $100 million a year coming in. Some point they're going to have to start changing that landscape, and the G wagons are going to be doled out by the schools. You know, something's going to have to happen. There's just too much money going around, and you can you can only cry broke for so long, right? Right. Um, right. This whole thing with the playoffs today, I'm I kind of scratched my head because it kind of seemed like it was not very anticipated. I just read like a little thing that went by, a little story. Yeah, it, and for did. those who don't know, what he's saying is is the uh, college football playoff committee is voting today on whether or not to expand the existing landscape of number of teams in the college football playoffs. And and I've heard from 12, six, or maybe even 16 team playoff. Um, But I don't think this was a planned meeting. They've been doing a lot of stuff. They just did a vote earlier this, uh, I want to say this week, maybe last week, they talked about the transfer rules. um, And now they're having transfer windows of when you can transfer um, and be eligible that year. So previously, for football was you had to be in the you had to be in the portal by May first to be able to play that next year. So now they're putting a window for fall sports, winter sports, and spring sports. They're cleaning it up and they're moving faster than the NCAA has moved in the past. If that's one thing you haven't noticed, is there's a lot of voting, a lot of meeting, a lot of stuff going on. And I think this thing is getting out of control from the standpoint of the NCAA can no longer keep control, and now they're figuring out they have to adapt. The Big Ten commissioner came out and said. They asked him point blank, "Do you see a uh, uh, do you see a day when the schools are paying this, the athletes?" And he said, "Yes, I do." And that was a very clear. He didn't run around the question. He didn't give you a big long answer. He just answered, "Yeah, I, I can see that happen." You know, I think it's inevitable and it's there. And I just hope my son is still in school when all this stuff gets sexy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I just, you know what I mean. So yeah. I, we like G wagons over here too. I don't really like G wagons. Yeah, we start. We started off talking about, um, you know, how we got here was basically this Notre Dame Ohio State game. Uh, before we get out of it, predictions. I say I'm going uh, Notre Dame thirty-one, Ohio State. Who gives it that? Not Ohio State thirty. I think it's going to be a great game. 31-30. It's going to be one for the ages at the at the horseshoe, as they refer to it. I think 31-30, they're going to score points. Notre Dame is uh, at the point now by way of recruiting and increasing overall team speed where um, a few years ago they couldn't they, they couldn't compete in these air quote, air quote track meet games. Notre Dame can compete in a track meet game. I'm going to say it's going to be a track meet game early. You're going to see a lot of mistakes. Mistakes are going to lead to turnovers. Turnovers are going to lead to points. I'm going 31-30 Notre Dame in what will be an epic Epic upset. Uh, Notre Dame prevails in Columbus. Uh, what you got for me, Big Flow Show? Give us a prediction before we get out of here. Oh, and then to answer, to, sorry, and I, I'll throw it to you. My bad. But to answer Patrick Roach, I think the he's not a surprise player, but I, I, I think that the tight end, 
who is up for every tight end award, is considered the best tight end in college football, going to his junior year, Michael Mayer. I think he's going to be used in ways that are unique, and it's going to be such that uh, he's probably going to be taking handoffs. He's going to catch a lot of screens. I think utilizing him as the best wide receiver, excuse me, as the best tight end, but more as a wide receiver is going to be the difference for Notre Dame this year. Uh, if he has a healthy year, Notre Dame has a very productive offense. I'll throw it over to you, Big Flow Show. What do you got? What's your prediction? Notre Dame at Ohio State at the Horseshoe Saturday night under the light, 7.30 p.m. Big money, billions and billions of dollars associated with this, or multi-millions at least. Uh, who you got? At the center of my brain and my heart is my mouth, right? So I got to be careful about what comes out of it. And I got to make sure I don't sound too crazy, right? Which one's in control? I don't know. I do feel in my heart there's no chance that uh, that Ohio State covers. But I'm all short of predicting the upset just yet. I need to see them warm up or something. I need to see the look in their eye. I got to smell the grass or something. So my mouth is in the middle of my brain and my heart, so I'm just going to say I'm just going to stop it and not predict the score. I'm going to just say they're not going to cover this. They're not going to cover it. I'll take that. ETP, since you got on here talking about it should at a minimum be 16, you know what I mean? You was throwing gas on the fire. What you got, man? Notre Dame going to Ohio State. And look, I know we your boys, and you know, we 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 share that that whole meaningful bond of the Ball Hawk Sports Talk crew, but we can we can take a little bit of, of, of painful news. If you want to give us this cough medicine, go ahead. If you if you think Ohio State wins and wins, covers, go ahead and say it, man. Say it with your chest though. You know, you know, you know what? So the, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna take a totally different side of this because one, it it makes me feel really sad watching you all not even believe in your heart that your team's gonna win. Oh, like I that really that really hurts my feelings. Like you don't you don't really believe it. So I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna say Notre Dame's gonna upset. And and I think because oh, there's no on, there's Just no tendency. You got a new coach. You got a whole, you know, who knows what the system is. I don't think Ohio State's ready. There's no, there's no expect, there's no nothing, there's no clarity on what to expect. So anything can happen. I think, you know, I, I have faith in Freeman. You know, I think he's, uh he's definitely, regardless of anything, outside of making really bad promo That's videos. That's a t-shirt. Somebody go and type them up. Go ahead. <laughs> Too late. Too late. We already so made it. We already made I, it. <laughs> I got faith. I got faith. I want to, you know, he's got. Obviously, he's got a lot of pressure, but you know, for him to get that get that position and be putting that putting that position, I think he's going to come out swinging. And I don't know if Ohio State's going to be ready for it, but I'm just trying to give y'all something to to feel better about because you seem like your morale is low. And I'm I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. You know what? You, so, you're right. We should. That's my personal favor to you for the weekend. I'll, I'll take it. Hey, we should have came out singing the fight song. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Big Flo Show. Go ahead. No, I said we'll take that gift for the week. Oh, yeah, Appreciate we'll take that. We'll take that gift. Uh, we were supposed to come out, you know, in, in our in our leprechaun uh, little gear with hats, and they, all we got is a T-shirt on. You're right, man. So we got to rally something Yo, for Notre Dame. Big Flo, Big Flo wasn't even going to wear his T-shirt until hey. the last minute, until we, before we started the show. I, hey, I, hey, I, it, was <laughs> it was hanging up. I had to make sure it didn't get uh, we ain't scared of you, Debo. Here we come. We coming to Columbus, man, to do our thing. Unfortunately, I won't be in town, uh, and that is fortunate for y'all, Columbus fans, because I've proven I'm obnoxious when I get to an away game. Um, but it is going to be big business. And you, 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 you talk about the 
amount of, of hype around it, around the amount of money around it. Um, and you compare that to, because we talk about return on investment. Uh, you compare that to a situation like Florida A&M. Florida Agri- Agricultural and Mechanical University. FAMU, where I was last week, uh, had nothing to do with this story, but just from a timeliness standpoint, FAMU has a shortage resource, a shortage of resources, if you will, because you look at the football team. They talked about the 26 players that were ineligible to play against UNC at UNC. Uh, and fam, you played pretty well, very well, considering 26 players weren't available. Probably the best player in the FCS level. FAMU's linebacker wasn't available. I don't think he's going to be available for other games. Um, but the players have said, and the athletes there have said that because of uh, the reality that there's only one compliance officer there. It's a shortage of resources. And you compare this this Notre Dame-Ohio State mega business to Florida A&M, and it shows that we still have, we still have issues. The opportunities, right, as Florida A&M gets ready to go down to Jackson State to play in the uh, classic, I think the Orange Blossom Classic is what they're calling that, the opportunities are starting, you think, to, to change, and, and, and that'll be a nationally televised game. But the resources, there's still a, a drastic difference in resources. So, And then the band came out, and they showed pictures of, of them getting some cold lunch on the side of the road on a rest stop after driving 13 hours to the game. And you, you start to just really notice the drastic difference, the dichotomy between those two Um Similar but very different situations. Similar in that they are both college football, but different almost in every other aspect. What did you guys think about this before we move on, man? Florida A&M and its shortage of resources. I, I, I think it's unfortunate that the athletic department is taking so much heat for it because it's a, it's, it's a very simple way to describe a complex problem. But indeed, the athletic department is taking heat. This compliance officer is taking heat. How do you have 26 players that because of bad advice, are ineligible to play? How do you have the best player in FCS as linebacker because of bad advice and what courses he should take over the summer, according to his attorney, over the summer is ineligible to play? It just seems as though like certain things, would, that would never happen at Ohio State or Notre Dame. And, and we know that they are not exactly the same, but they should still be in the same stratosphere. What do you guys got before we play? Before we pivot and go to the number? I, I, I think it's a cop-out to an extent. I mean, I definitely think short, shortness of resources is tough, but you got 26 people ineligible. I mean, I don't know. I, that's a lot of kids. And they, play, kids. they played UNC well. But 26, Mr. 26 kids. So you say you got one compliance person to do the classes and all that stuff. For all you, athletics, not even just football. One for every sport. Well, at that point, that, that person needs to manage his resources. So this is your this is your schedule. This is what you have to take. I don't know. I think it is tough when you go through that, but at some point you you can't mess up that bad. You still that person's still bad at their job, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you know what I mean? So like, you gonna classes? fire? You gonna fire? So you firing? You can't uh, fire the only person. You firing <laughs> so, the Nebraska head coach? You firing the Wi-Fi person? The Wi-Fi. And fire, and I can't. Worst part is they the can't fire. They only got the one person. But I I don't like to put that on. I mean, there's a lot of uh, HBCUs out there that don't have that issue. So I don't I don't 
that's a cop out. You know what I mean? Like get more. You have more resources than that. You have more money than that. You just played at UNC. There's enough money. You probably got paid a million dollars to play there. I don't know how much you got paid. Four hundred fifty thousand. How much? Four hundred fifty thousand. So get you another fifty thousand. Put fifty thousand towards another compliance person. Y'all could have did that. I don't know. They deserve the athletic department needs heat and everything, but to cry broke and when you fuck up this bad, I don't like that that much. You know what I'm Wait, saying? The like, compliance officer gets paid four fifty. No, that's you how know, much they got paid to play in North Carolina. Oh, oh, oh! I was about to say. I mean, let me help. Problem solved. Yeah, problem solved. So I'm just saying, like you, there's a bunch of HBCUs with limited budgets that didn't have 26 people in eligible. Right? They've been having. They've had one compliance officer probably for the last 15, 20 years. And they haven't had 26 people ineligible. It's a major fuck up and you're blaming it on something else. So, yes, they probably are understaffed, but whatever. You know what I mean? There's probably a lot of other people who had the same situation that didn't have the same problem. So fair. Hey, I just I'm just happy that you're not my HR director. You just firing everybody, bro. You you hardcore. That's the way is the worst part. You can't even fire this dude. <laughs> like he got- oh, he's got job security. We talked <laughs> about job insecurity in NFL. If you're the one person that's been doing this for every single sport <laughs> on the campus, imagine how many eligible people you have for who if you can. <laughs> you are good. ETP, I'll give you final word on it before we pivot, man. Fam, you these resource shortages, and 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 we did this literally seconds after talking about this Notre Dame Ohio State me- mega million lottery game. Basically, that much money is going to be flowing into the city of Columbus, and. It, it's just crazy the difference, right? These are all student athletes, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kids that or young people that um, are are exposed to this experience. It just seems a little crazy that it could happen in the same week that you got this 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 huge game. Yeah, I so this I think one of the things you look at this and you say, okay, 26 players ineligible. But it doesn't happen like today. It's not like, all right, you're good. Everybody's good. And then everybody took a test and 26 of y'all failed. And now you're not going to be able to play in the game. Like there was like the compli- the compliance process. The fact that it even got to this point before the 26 people were deemed ineligible is the problem, right? Like this, this is months and probably years long in terms of what their credits and all of that. So this is, this is not just an isolated, Oh, they, they're ineligible for this one game. The question is what was happening up until this point in terms of how they were advised and what they missed. Like, it's not just, I just fail to believe that there's 26, you know, 26 of these dumb jocks that were just brought in to play ball and can't go to class, like all the stereotypes that you make up. So it's basically a system that it's almost as if what I would be curious to find out is, is some was his job on the line and he was just wasn't doing anything up until this point. And then he started going back into the paperwork and was like, Oh man, I missed that. These guys were going to be ineligible six months ago and I did nothing. And now like I have to pull the trigger because I have to make it look like they are the ones that caused the problem versus me and any other support resources, making sure that they stayed on track. But I was just out doing whatever I was doing, you know, and blaming the fact that I'm overworked or over, you know, understaffed or what have you. But, Clearly, the ball was dropped long ago, and then right when they were about to start the season, everything came to a head. So it, yeah. it's unfortunate for the for the student athletes, for these kids, because 
I just can't imagine that 26, 26, one quarter of the entire team just was deciding that they're not going to class or they're not going to comply with the requirements. It's just, it's too, it's too broad of a number. Like, and, and right. then that's the fact that somebody didn't look, look back and say, all right, before we suspend anybody, maybe we have to do a review and we don't deem them ineligible and we allow right. them to play, but let's yeah. do a review of this process because clearly there's something wrong with the system. You normally see more warning signs when it comes to compliance that if that would be true if there was just one player, right, that was at risk of being ineligible. Now, if you then say that one player is the best player in FCS, captain of the team, like, but now you're talking about 26 examples. Um, And I think 20 of the 26 are scheduled to be back for the game this week. Um, I hope that there are a lot of eyeballs. I hope there are a lot of butts in the seat, uh, eyeballs on the television. I hope there are butts on the seat. I hope that there's a lot of money uh, being spent down in Miami this weekend when Florida A&M University and with 20 of those players back goes to play in the orange, I think it's orange blossom classic. If I'm messing it up, I apologize. But there's a classic between FAMU and Jackson State. Y'all know who the leader is at Jackson State, and, and some might argue it's a it's it, it's a it's a it's a matchup between the marching one hundred of Florida A and M and the sonic boom of Jackson State. You 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 you've got uh, Dion and all that comes with Jackson State versus Florida A and M and all of its notorious graduates. It should be a great experience. The reason I, I want to bring up the game, though, is because just like Florida A&M has a resource, resource shortage, Dion and his team at Jackson State are involved in a water shortage. Uh, and I hope they work it out. Uh, I, if you don't believe in global warming, I, I just everything seems a little bit off right now. I mean, from these lantern flies that we supposed to kill that Big Flo thinks are pets. Yeah. What's the name of your lantern fly? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I call mine Tony. I call him Tony. <laughs> it's a pet. Uh, it's up to you. Uh, but it just seems off. And, and I, I hate to see that, you know, basic things like getting ice. You need ice when you're we're going through training camp, right? People are trying to preserve their body and maintain it to water itself. If you're going to go out and uh, say again, water is for sissies. Water. Back in the day, water is for sissies. Who need a water break? You used to try to pump you because you needed a water break. <laughs> but um, I, I, I really hope that they work it out, man. But I do love to see that Dion is using his platform and his voice to be. Uh, outspoken when it comes to these water challenges so um hopefully they work that out um before we get out of here let's get let's let's get to one more thing man because um this duke byu volleyball let's call it what let's call it what are we gonna call it let's call it uh misunderstanding let's call it the debacle debacle 
So now, if you guys have not been following it, the, the, the Duke and, uh, and, and BYU situation, there was a Duke volleyball player who said that she was called the N-word. They banned a particular person from ever coming to the game. The BYU athletic director came out and apologized. Uh, they then went back and studied the tape, I guess, and realized that they banned the wrong person. They also now are questioning whether or not the event ever happened, uh, whether or not this the N-word was ever hurled at this volleyball player. For me, I don't know if – I wasn't there. I wasn't sitting next to the person who was accused of saying the N-word. But why would a, a volleyball player just make this up? And, to clarify the story, it was supposedly – happened so many times that like the kid had to be like the player had to be like moved or something so and i'm literally at byu and we yeah he said he's just saying he's at byu his cousin plays in cincinnati so someone someone just commented but he's at byu right now but but go yeah. ahead okay so i wasn't sure that sounded like it was breaking news that i need to, to, <laughs> no, no, to, good. to address but i have a hard time because here's the thing about this is if you're a player right you don't notice the crowd. Half the time I ask my kids, did you hear a scream of your name? They say no, right? So you think about the mindset of, a, of an athlete when you're out there. You zone the crowd out. So for you to think you're going to make, unless you just had a horrible game or something like that, I don't know what the motivation would be for somebody to say that the person was repeatedly calling me this the whole game. Does their teammates corroborate it? You know, are there other people that said it? Right. That's the kind of thing that goes on. I don't know anything about anything. I don't want to make any generalizations. It just sounds like a weird story to make up with that many people that could tell you that that's not true. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, just me, that's I, I don't know if this is some uh, it's, not uh, it's not Juicy Smollett. Juicy Smollett uh, accusation and her just wanting, you know, Juicy Smollett to me was more of a mental health incident. He needed the attention. I don't know if there's anything in this young lady's past that would suggest that she just wanted the attention. I do think that because we avoid conversations about race, we're able, people are able to take it and use it as a spark plug when they want to conveniently. But at the same time, I don't, unless she does have some form of, of, of mental health issues, people don't just run around accusing others of using the N word. In general, they just don't have an altercation with like, right, somebody like, just like there's no motive there. Yeah, there, there's no motive there. And then to 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 think that in the midst of a volleyball game, she would be thinking, I'm just going to accuse this one, uh, this this particular crowd of BYU of using the N word. And then let's just be honest, man. While BYU is a great campus, while BYU is a great education, BYU is not the school that has a ton of black people there. It's all Mormon, and you know. Football players that come from California have talked about it forever in terms of the religious uh, rules that have been um, put in place there and the lack of diversity. So it it's made it a little more credible. You believe it a little more because it's, it's 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 at BYU. But um, interesting, interesting times, man. I think. But but to reconcile that this week with now, you know, John Gruden coming out and and talking about his inward emails and basically saying, you know, look, I'm not a bad guy. I'm a good father. I'm a good this. I'm a good that. Um, this, these, these emails don't make me a bad guy, but, but wanting another chance and people talking about whether or not he's going to get a chance. Um, it, it just, it's interesting to me, man, that the N word has been reduced to almost a political, 
volley conversation. We're just going to volley back and forth. And, and I know we've done a show about the power or lack of power of the N-word, but John Gruden getting another chance, uh, we're not that far removed from discovering the emails. And it wasn't like it was one email and a slippage of something. It, it, yeah, there was a lot of stuff in there. But in this same week, I see that Urban Meyer, who I like Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer was my receiver coach in Notre Dame, good guy, like good human. I, I like the whole family. But I didn't think after his fall from grace, when you when when it when when some of it was questionable about the, the young lady who was in the pictures, but then you did a little more digging, and you know, now it's rumored that maybe his health issues at Florida were prompted by some other allegations with undergrads. And you, it's tough for me to say that there's not something there when it comes to racial differences that we're even discussing John Gruden getting another opportunity this quick. That when you watch college football this week, Whatever they call that on Fox, the big, the big, the big noon show, whatever. Urban Meyer is going to be on that show. Already been there. It's he's coming back though after the issues, let's call them. Or you know I saw him yesterday, so it's not like it's like he's back. Oh, it's you not, saw him yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's already happened. It's, already it's happened. just it's it's tough for me not to point to the elephant in the room that there is a difference. There's a a a long racial lines that. If I got a parking ticket in certain situations, it would take me forever to get another opportunity. It's just it, it, Urban Meyer's back on TV covering college football. And hey, to be I, fair, though, I did see somebody talk about this. How the hell did Lovey Smith become a head coach? <laughs> but 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 you're you're not questioning it because of things that Lovey Smith did off. The, you're saying that from a wins and loss perspective. <laughs> I talked about Hugh Jackson. I said I said Hugh Jackson should have been fired. There's certain people I'm not going to defend just because you black. Hugh Jackson, Mr. January 31st, you go one and 31 and two, you're supposed to be fired. I don't, you're not going to hear me, you know what I mean, yeah, bump and go to the bat. But that's Lovey Smith's issues were on the field, him winning and losing. So, but, but, but now Urban Meyer being discussed as, as a head coach potential candidate for openings whether it be nebraska arizona state urban meyer being on national television again like the dust hasn't even settled on those allegations on that scandal john gruden doing this apology tour and now possibly being discussed as getting another head job opportunity after the 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 hate and vitriol in those emails well also let's be let's be very clear about the john gruden thing and only just so that we can have facts. So the the emails came out about the racist commentary. And then you had all these other black players or former coaches or other people, commentators, uh, basically apologizing on his behalf. I know his other, heart. Other I know. Than, other than Keyshawn. Keyshawn hates him. Yep. Other than, Key, other than Keyshawn. I, but, were, right. We're talking about his, you know, his lips and all, all the things that he said, basically racial undertones or, you know, racial slurs or whatever it was. But the language that was used was inflammatory. 
racially driven, ignorant. His job was not taken at that point. But then they dug out and they released more emails because whoever's leaking these emails were like, well, that didn't work. Now let's release something that's now homophobic. (laughs) And at that point, that's when that's when everything got shut down. But I just wanted to I just wanted to point. I just want to make sure that if we're talking about this, we have to replay the chronology. Fair. Um, Even there, it's just a different. Look, man, everything's not about race, but I ain't going to sit here and be played like boo-boo the fool to be told and misled to think that nothing in the world is connected and related to race. And that's where I think the divide for me is. It's not all or nothing, right? You're right. Everything can't be about race. and people. I'm not saying it's not that, about race. I just want you to be clear about where the consequences were. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. So when I say you're right, not you, ETP. Yeah. But those in a camp that try to say everything can't be about race. You're playing the race card. Yada, yada. Everything can't be about race. But to say that, that, that there's no there's, a, there's no in-between, there's no gray area, that, that, that there are no examples of things like this, John Gruden even being discussed as a head coaching candidate again is absolutely an example of the discrepancies of race in this country. Urban Meyer being on TV again less than six months I mean, the stench of that scandal is still in everyone's nostrils. And he is on television again in the prime spot of all college football for Fox. And then being discussed possibly as a head coach candidate on a college campus again with other young co-eds, again, as the the scandal still has a stench you can smell from here to California, is just what it is. If that was a black man, while I love Urban Meyer, I support him, I hope he gets a job. I'm happy he's on TV because of the personal connection. I would be a damn fool not to admit that that's a different approach and reaction that that he gets versus what a brother man would have got. That just is what it is. Did you know Coach Hayward? I think it was Coach Hayward. Mike Hayward? Yeah, look at him. He's never got it. He was in line to be the head coach of Pittsburgh. I don't hired, know. No, hired, not in London. Hired. hired. They hired this man. He was a, he was a Notre Dame graduate. I, I got the uh, pleasure of working with him in uh, 2000. We did like an alumni game. He gets hired as the pit head coaching job. He's in South Bend with his uh, girlfriend. They have an altercation about the, the child. He wants His white to, girlfriend. His white yeah. child of his mother. Of yep. his mother. And he wants to, to take the kid and whatever. And there's some sort of a like, give me the kid and like, pushed away she calls the police and says he pushed me he hit me whatever then he gets arrested all that kind of stuff she comes back and says well he really hit me he just we just whatever but he got fired from that pit job that day he's never been in coaching again not she a head coach i think he's been an assistant coach, coach. i think he, he, i not even in a like 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 a like a game day operations type I felt a, such a drastic <laughs> drop says, never to be heard from again Never yeah. to be heard from again. And that was something that got over charges that were dropped that weren't even didn't even happen. He didn't ever hit the woman. You know what I mean? She'll tell you he never hit he, he never hit her. Doesn't this matter. is America? This is America. And, and so I get you know, that's what I'm I'm look, man. Uh on this episode of Return on Investment, it's I have a challenge with like I'm I'm trying to get over it, but the return on investment of the sacrifices 
that we're talking about Florida A&M. When I was on campus last week, I talked about sort of our entire community in Broward County. Fort Lauderdale, Miami, I think the whole South Florida is built in in black communities, built on the intellectual property that was established at Florida A&M. I I just have such a tough time dealing with this discrepancy sometimes. And in these cases, it's it's a good example of, of just different Americas that we have in America. And, and you know, it frustrates me because the return on the investment, the sacrifices that some of those same people made from the universities and campuses like Florida A&M, like Bethune-Cookman, Hampton Howard, the people that um, were very prominent in South Florida, the return on the investment we thought, I thought, was going to be equal opportunity, was going to be fair treatment, was going to be you know, discriminatory practices put aside. And yet you see in 2022, in both examples, John Gruden missed me with the whole apology tour, bro. Like you, you can be a good dad, a good human, a good this and that and still be a racist. And while I'm happy for the Meyer family, Urban Meyer and his family, I just, I, 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 I get pissed because I know if you substitute Urban Meyer for almost any other black coach and those, in that type of a scandal, which just happened, there's no way they're back on television. There's no way that they could potentially be the Arizona State or Nebraska head coach in the coming months being discussed as it, right? They're just thrown under the bus. So uh, I'll leave it there, man. I, that's my challenge is it feels as though we're not getting the return on the investments that our, uh, you know, civil rights uh, movement, that our parents and grandparents, our community leaders the sacrifices they made, it doesn't feel like we're getting a return on those investments. So I'll leave it there. Uh, the Big Flow Show, uh, on this uh, episode of Return on Investment, you want to leave us with anything? I know we got a few things um, that we got to get off our chest before we get off. I want to make sure that you start. Actually, I'll start with WNBA playoffs. Make sure y'all time in. Both, we're down to four. Both series are tied 1-1. Uh, and then I'll kick it to you, Big Flow. Um, kind of a somber note here. Very somber note, I should say. Uh, this week, the world lost uh, a great man, Herb Gibson. Uh, he was a teammate, he was a brother, um, one of my best friends. Uh, lost his battle that he's had with, uh, call it heart disease and other factors. Um, as a man of myself that I love to self-deprecate and kind of make jokes about my weight, um, I guess I'll take this moment to realize, like a lot of us out here, um, you know, can ignore our health, uh, not, not make it a top priority not trying to make things right. Um, you know, uh, Herb suffered for a few years uh, in and out of a nursing home, uh, trying to work out, kind of get himself together, and, and, and it, it didn't work out, right? And there's a lot of guys my age, I'll be 50 next year, uh, that played sports, people that didn't play sports. And, you know, weight's picking up, you know, uh, numbers from the doctors aren't coming back the way they're supposed to. And we don't really take a chance for our families and everything to address those things and make them a priority. And, and, and we lose people too early. So uh, I'll take this time to, to, to talk to those of us out there who, who, who could be doing a little bit better, eating a little bit better, exercising a little bit more, taking that pill that they tell you that, to, that that's going to be in your best interest uh, to do that because I don't want to lose any more Herb Gibsons. Um, I don't want to see any more kids out there losing fathers, and I don't want to see anybody losing friends and teammates like that. So uh, call it a public service announcement. Call it me preaching on my soapbox. But – He's going to be dearly missed. Um, you know, I wish you guys more. You guys had a chance to know him. He's a great dude. But this this hit home. This hurt a lot. And, and, and uh, you know, 
I just hope that it doesn't happen to any more of us anytime soon. Uh, awesome tribute, man. And uh, on behalf of Herb Gibson, did play offensive line at Notre Dame. On behalf of the Notre Dame family, all of us are hurting. He was a great man. So um, let's just do a very brief but meaningful moment of silence for Big Herb. Um, regardless of the program that you play with, when you play college football, you become brothers with men from all around the world, from different households, from different backgrounds, but you become brothers, man. So uh, the Notre Dame family is hurting this week because we lost one of our brothers. Uh, I'll, I'll leave on this because uh, the Big Flow Show and I will be tomorrow on the game day show as we get ready to watch Notre Dame shock the world. WSBT game day with Tim Graw is going to welcome the ball hog sports talk. At least two of us, two of us will be the Notre Dame guys of the ball hog sports talk will be on the show tomorrow. We'll try to share the link. Y'all come support us. We're going to go in there and talk greasy. I'm going to be, I got you right. ETP. I got to do some push-ups, get my weight up and make sure I say it with my chest. We're going to talk greasy tomorrow and talk about how Notre Dame is going to upset the world. We also will make sure we give a whole bunch of shout outs to the ball hog sports talk. It's going to be a great time, so we'll share that link. This episode of Return on Investment, we started talking about the cut day of the NFL, how so many dreams have been shattered, other dreams have been realized, but look at the numbers. When you go down the numbers of a million-plus people that play high school football, when it's all said and done, about 1% of those people will play in the NFL and make an active roster. So the return on the investment, parents, coaches, athletes, you got to invest in more than just your sport. We also talked about the greatest of all times, in my humble opinion, Serena. We talked about some other meaningful, meaningful things, the the, the, the racial discrepancies in sports, um, the, the the empire that LeBron is building. It's all about, if, if, if you will, making sure we have a return. The sacrifices that people made, we got to make sure that they're honored uh, because of those sacrifices. And so uh, with that, we will uh, leave this week and challenge you to be a part of the difference. Make sure that the return is meaningful because of the work that you have put in, because of the equity that you demand in your workplace and, and on your team, uh, because of the fairness in which you show and how you treat people. That is how we get return on the investments of our ancestors and all the people before us. Um, have a great week. It's been the Ballhawk Sports Star where Sports Business Entertainment Collide. The crew was here. We had the big flow show from the central time zone. We had ETP coming to you from the eastern time zone. And I'm your boy. I get to host this show, co-host, really, this show. They let me talk a little bit more. B. Brown ESQ, a.k.a. the ball hog, a.k.a. the mouth of the south, a.k.a. Mr. Excessive Celebration, a.k.a. Brazy. Another show, the ball hog sports talk. Thank you humbly for being a part of it. Please like, comment, share, tag a friend, tag a foe, and subscribe to the YouTube channel and to the podcast because with that, we is out. Peace.